Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. Well, welcome back, Raise Nation. So glad to connect with you again. Um, thank you so much for making our show so popular. We're 114, 115 episodes strong now, and we are growing every day. We'd love to feature your voice too. So Reach out to me, hello at onecause.com. We'll get you on the show and we'll chat it up. If you're new, that's exactly what we do here. We just explore social causes and societal change and tough issues and um, everything in between. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do follow us, we're, we're everywhere. We stream on 10 different podcast channels. We're on demand at onecause.com. We're live at the Rays conference. So be sure to um, tune into all of our episodes. So it's um, moving into like my favorite time of year, um, the holidays, the end of year holidays. Uh, for me, I celebrate Christmas, um, but we're on the brink of Thanksgiving and New Year's. I just love this time of year. Um, and Thanksgiving is such a, you know, moment um, to remind us to be grateful for our loved ones and our family and our cherished moments. I think we all share that same joy, but for some it's, it's not the same. And I'm so glad to welcome my guest to help break this down and talk about it. Some of you may or may not know that November is national adoption month. And just saying those three words trigger all sorts of things in my mind that are, are are not good. It's the opposite of family and cherished moments and all of the things that um, I was just talking about. So please welcome um, Ariana Curie. She's the CEO from the Coalition for Children, Youth and Family. And we are going to talk about the mission, National Adoption Month, and all the things in between that we need to know. So Ariana, I hope that I kind of got all of those vowels and syllables right, but welcome to Raise Nation Radio and correct me if I didn't. Oh, that's fine. Um, well, thank you, Dawn, for uh, having me or having spotlighting our organization today and giving us an opportunity to talk about our organization and adoption um, and the support we provide. Yeah, I really want to hear more, but I know our audience wants to get to know you first and then a little bit more about the organization. So could you introduce yourself beyond my simple name and title and just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do every day at uh, the coalition, how you got here and then yeah. talk about the mission. Yeah. So again, my name is Oriana. Um, I uh, came to our organization in 2005 to help lead a new project, um, which was called the Foster Care and Adoption Resource Center um, at the time. 
I am a person by a professional background that most of my, all my professional training experience, that stuff was in um, social work. Um, However, um, early in my career, I always kind of make jokes about it. I was more of a bossy person. (laughs) Oh, it seemed like a bossy person. And and so, um, leadership and um, leading up projects and helping inspire others was more of my path um, than in therapy or direct service or all of those things. Not to say that I didn't do those things, um, but uh, I was leading um, people, projects, and uh, organizational strategy pretty early on in my career. Um, and as I said, I came to this organization in 2005 um, when um, our founder and my former boss, our CEO, Colleen Ellingson, um, got connected with me and said, hey, we have this new project. And people said, you know, we should talk and, and sit down and talk. And, you know, at the time, and I tie this into um, adoption, foster care work, that sort of thing, by saying, you know, I was not necessarily... Um, I don't know if you can call it expert or it wasn't my um, necessarily, uh, you know, level of expertise. And, you know, and I shared that outright and, um, you know, they wanted some of the other skills sets I had. But I think that's really important as we talk about this um, topic today, because even for those of us who are directly in our field, um, that is of human serving, mental health, uh, what have you, um, many much of the work around adoption um, or other, uh, you know, how family separation or other things occur are not necessarily taught to us. We're taught more um, about overall family systems. We're taught about when things don't go well, addiction, mental health, what have you. Um, But what I've had the opportunity to learn over these 18 years is a lot around the nuances of um, what happens uh, when family is formed um, differently than what Um, our kind of our traditional thoughts and views and all the various complex nuances around that. Um, So that's a little bit about me, Um, (laughs) you know, um, and you had asked, did you want me to go into our organization? Yeah, I'd love to learn more. So our organization is... um, we just celebrated 40 years, um, actually, at our gala uh, that we just recently had a couple weeks ago. Um, in 1983, a group of local families who had been foster parents, some of them adoptive parents, um, noticed that there was this really um unusual thing at the time, the thought was that foster parents should not be, should not adopt the kids that had been in their home. That, and there were a lot of other things going on. And that was not just here in Wisconsin, that was nationally. And so what would happen is a lot of children, older youth would stay in foster care till age 18 and then not really have 
family connection. Um, and so they fought pretty hard to say, you know, people are talking about all different forms of adoption. Um, what was happening then is you had a lot of people interested in inter beginning to be interested in international adoption. And, and they're like, we, we have a lot of children here uh, locally who've gone through a lot of uh, difficult times that deserve the same consideration. And so uh, they advocated with our state legislature and got some money um, to sort of raise the awareness of this topic. Um, at the same time, I would say across the United States, the same movement uh, was, uh, you know, gaining momentum. I am part of a, a national organization called the National Adoption Association, where many of us who had uh, across the country who had started this first sort of movement of let's raise awareness about um, youth lingering in foster care uh, without an adoptive resource. So that was the roots of this agency. A group of families got some a little bit of legislative uh, money and uh, one of their neighborhood friends, my former boss, our founder, um, happened to be um, a social worker who had worked in adoption at one point in her career. And she started in her basement with $25,000 in 1983 as one person all by one person, $25,000 in a basement. Yep. All by herself. Wow. Um, today, uh, the coalition, we're still a relatively small organization. We are responsible for providing information, support, referral, and resources to all 72 counties across Wisconsin. Adoption is still a lot of our work, um, but we also provide support for foster families, for uh, relatives caring for kids who come into um, their home, um, helping um, birth moms and dads who may have um, you know, had some challenges and needed support when children were reunified in their home, um, trying to work with uh, our youth and raise awareness of their voice in this process. So we have grown tremendously in terms of our scope <laughs> yeah. from that little kind of, you know, it really was then about let's raise the awareness of these um, kids. I mean, they had, they didn't even have a magazine. You didn't have the internet. You had these little, you know, sort of spreadsheets that would have a name like Jane Smith, uh, Catholic, brown hair, green. Uh, I mean, they were like, this is horrible. We have to bring awareness of who this human being is and and what's special about them and, and a lot of that. And so um, that's sort of our beginnings um, that kind of pushed us off. And I, and I would say our founder, uh, my previous boss, you know, a, a very passionate, uh, you know, purposeful, uh, perseverant woman um, <laughs> had a lot, you know, she didn't have a fundraiser or a finance person or, you know, a team of people. She did a lot of work on her own. 
Wow. Can we shout out the name of the founder? Yes. Her name is Colleen Ellingson. Um, She is now, I think, living happily near her adult children and grandchildren in Estes Park, Colorado, and enjoying (laughs) retirement after all her years of hard work. (laughs) For her. And let's applaud what she she did with $25,000 in a basement. So yes. many years ago without the digital landscape that it is today that, you know, is competitive and, and sometimes hard to navigate, but certainly catapults a lot of messaging. And and what I'm hearing is definitely an underscore, you know, your impact has grown to a couple of different areas, but it all has the same I think common denominator about human connection. That's what this is really all about, human connection. And it's such so important. I, I hadn't thought about that. So if I understood you correctly, you might have a young person in the foster care system and before the work of this coalition and, and probably many others, that young person grew into a family and to a culture, but at 18, that meant that that connection was was gone because that family could not adopt them in the old legislation. Is that what I heard? Yep. Yep. That was, those were, you know, just thoughts that we had, you know, we had thoughts and, and I think, you know, again, we're still, we're always navigating these different nuances as we learn and, you know, human relationships, human, you know, connections, is all very complex stuff. And yeah. so sometimes we can think we're doing the best thing um, and we're not. It just uh, looks good on paper. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It was really the idea of, you know, um, and it's still the idea of foster care is intended to be temporary. It's intended to, you know, help children return uh, back home. And I think there was a view that if people got too attached, you know, that that would create a problem. Um, you know, I would say what we continue to forge forward as an organization, what I truly try to forge forward with everyone is that, you know, we all need many people. Um, Love is not a finite thing. It is infinite. And, you know, we can all um, use as many people in our corner as possible. Um, And, you know, that might be messy sometimes, but, you know, trying to come up with rules that kind of stop that isn't in the best interest of anyone. For sure. I mean, I think all of, I think family and what defines a family is infinite as well as love, as well as connection and human connection. I mean, wherever, wherever you get your strength and matters of the heart should be promoted, not, not paused. So um, I'm starting to have a clearer picture here. And I love the um, theme for this year's National Adoption Month. So we're in November. It is National Adoption Month. We're going to bring awareness, although it's a 365 um, really awareness campaign. It doesn't stop at one month, but it's always nice to have that like little extra push, extra energy to be a little bit hyper-focused. So this year, if I have this right, it's empowering youth and finding those points of connection. So what stands out to you about the theme for this year, this month? 
Well, you know, as as I said, you know, we continue to learn um, and need to, um, you know, kind of redefine what support and empowerment looks like. And I think what we are beginning to see now as we moved from, you know, what was in the 80s to late 90s, early 2000s, where we had a good amount of adoption happening we're starting to hear now from the young adults and the youth who were, um, you know, in families who experienced adoption, we're saying, wait a minute, you know, again, I um, am a unique individual, um, you know, and I have something to say about decisions that were made for me. There's a lot of decisions made uh, on behalf yeah. of kids without them having a lot of without a, a voice. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and I think also, you know, what has always been a complexity, a complexity in adoption is this sort of maintaining connections with a child's family of origin um, matched with adoptive parents and adoptive fears, right? So, and what so often happened is, you know, adoptive families either wanting to feel protective of some difficult histories, wanting to help uh, youth heal, um, or pushing it too far one way or the other without really allowing someone to speak um, to that or make their own path um, has created a lot of challenges for um, these young people late in life. Um, some we've we've had um, adoptees who were part of our staff. We have um, obviously had some a lot of panels and trainings over the years. Um, and what we find is that for the adoptee, it's I don't want to upset anybody. I really love these folks who have cared for me and I have this curiosity about my family and, and they're still really important to me and I don't know what to do with that. And I don't necessarily say anything um, to my adoptive family because it seems like they get in some situations we have adoptive families who can get really upset or are threatened by that. Um, and it, it goes back to what I was saying, love is um, infinite, not finite. Now yeah. I say that, to, you know, so that's where we are. I think the other piece is we have a disproportionate number of youth who are children of color raised by white families and have been for uh, many years. And um, this continued peace where, and so that's where we're talking about empowering youth voice as well, is that my experience in your neighborhood, in your community, in the school you sent me to may not be the, the same experience as you saw. And again, I may not have talked about it, um, I mean, not have known what words to talk about. Hard to um, navigate. So, I mean, especially right. for a young mind, right? Very, very hard to navigate. Yes. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that we've had to have, you know, candid conversations with um, adoptive families, uh, um, you know, Caucasian adoptive families about is your privilege does not extend 
for this child, especially when they're not in your presence. When they're not in your presence, they're very much alone and they are very much a person of color in our country today. And I think those are difficult conversations. Um, I also think it's, um, you know, there are many families working diligently to do the right thing. And, um, you know, what what do you do? I mean, we've had the opposite happen where, um, you know, families have wanted to speak up on behalf of their children. And at times, you know, the youth being like, don't come to my school, embarrass me. Don't, you know, like, I really don't even want people to know all of this. So um, very, very complex. So I think that's where, um, you know, the theme is about, you know, empowering that voice and allowing me to maintain connections the way I I feel comfortable maintaining connections, being safe for me, being there for me. No, because nobody can dictate your connections. You know, they you ha- they have to be nurtured and blossomed. And and, you know, I love the fact that it's not or, or moving away from a cookie cutter approach. Not one size fits fits all. You mm-hmm. said a few minutes ago about unique individuals, unique individuals have their own path, you know, towards connections. And, and that really needs to be nurtured. And I love the statement, nothing about nothing about us without us, um, which is what, you know, your organization provided to me. And it screams off the page as I'm reading it, because I think it sounds to me like nobody really had bad intentions. They just thought what they thought and and needed a little bit more needed to take a step back maybe and really listen and what does this mean and and how can we evolve and just make this better for people to to connect um and it is a lot going on especially for a young mind could you imagine i'm yeah. adopted i'm different i don't have the natural culture that this family has. I want to fit in. They're good to me. I love them. They love me. I don't want to hurt them, but I have curiosity. School's not everything they think. That is a lot, a lot. I mean, kids have enough pressure as it is, let alone all of that. I wouldn't even know where to begin to navigate. So starting with them and listening is probably a good first step, I would think. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we could go on about the complexities, so, um, you know, the fact that we still have some school assignments in, you know, 2023, when we when we have such diverse families without introducing adoption out there and we'll still have, you know, um, just lots of interesting pieces of, you know, bringing baby pictures when you're talking about elementary school aged kids or other things in high school about genetics and and just I, I think well-intentioned people that need to consider that we have lots of different family, um, you know, even even as, you know, in families where everybody is with their related family of origin, sometimes there's cut off. Sometimes there's people, um, you know, and so I think it's just a continual work of education. And yeah, often our youth are left, um, you know, navigating that very much alone. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, again, like you 
had said, and I had said about the individual story, you know, um, I heard one adoptive dad say it once, and I, I like, I love the way it was said. If you know one adoption story, you know one adoption story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, because we have uh, many people on our team that um, are, you know, foster adoptive parents or have lived experience one way or another, you know, they will tell you, uh, you know, I have three sons and each one of them has a different view of how they want to connect with their parents. We leave the door open. We leave that connection open. You know, one person, no, another 100% yes, and another, eh, I don't know. And, you know, and so there isn't a right way. And I think that's, you know, back to this theme is, you know, empowering somebody's voice, you know, is that what you want to do? How do you feel about that? How can I support you in that decision? Uh, you know, is, is important. And I think in, you know, we talked earlier about it being a digital age, but in a digital age, you can't hide anything anymore. I mean, if somebody wants to find out information, they're going to find out information and it can be you know, finding out information without a support system is not good. Yeah. Okay. Lots to navigate and unpack yes. there. You mentioned something like so simple that now to me is so profound. I think most like high school students will go through that fun senior period where they're, um, you know, there's yearbooks and they're asked to bring in you know, their baby picture. And then there's that whole contest thing about, you know, guess who this is. And wow, how isolating is that for somebody who grew up in foster care or uh, um, adoption and and they don't have that connection and that root and they need that. That's a terrible reminder, right? Like, and I'm not saying that we don't do those fun things, but maybe we need to be a little bit more sensitive. Something just as simple as that, be a little bit more sensitive and, and how we do it um, and how we can be more inclusive. We're better than that, right? We can, we can come up with something that would be just tender and sweet for everybody. Um, just something simple like that. It just hit me as you were talking. So yeah. And, and, you know, some, some youth don't have those things. They don't right. have those pictures or yeah, it is, it is, it is a very complex thing in, because, you know, you don't want to take, like you said, you don't want to take the fun out of things. It's just, how do we, um, continually navigate. And and so at the coalition for us is, you know, we have to go where we can have influence and where we typically can have the most influence is with the families that reach out to us and, you know, provide information, provide alternatives, provide, um, you know, tips and tools on and how exactly um, you can be supportive. Yeah. So how exactly do you support adoption at the coalition? Um, well, you know, in various ways, you know, like in those beginning pieces, as I discussed, it's building awareness of the need, um, especially working on um, raising the profile of kids who really have been lingering for a while 
<laughs> within our systems of care um, and working with the social workers out there in the field to help you know, uh, find family or find other connections for these young people. Um, talk to people about myths. Help people um, navigate, you know, because you're, there are so many, um, you know, you can go through a private agency and, and try to work through infant adoption. Um, you know, adopt, you know, you can try to work through, um, you know, interstate or, um, you know, getting connected as a foster parent first. And it's all very nuanced. And so what makes our agency unique is we don't do any licensing or home study so that people can feel safe asking us all kinds of questions. And so our, um, real intent in that beginning stage is to answer questions and help prepare people to be good advocates for themselves. So you go out to an agency and you say, and somebody says something that doesn't feel uh, off or feels right, then come back and we'll talk about it. There's many other alternatives or, you know, should it, what should I look for in an attorney? What should it, you know, what's right, what's not? And so that is, um, you know, and, and a lot of times people wait for a long time. And so what are some of the things that they can do while they wait? Um, they can take some additional training. They can talk to um, other families who've already had the adoption experience, um, those sorts of things, um, you know, and so that leads me to, um, you know, you asked about the thing. One of the things we take the most pride in um, is just our day to day answering calls and um, making appointments and time to listen to people with their questions and their concerns, whether it's pre or post adoption. Um, you know, when, when a team member is assigned to that work, we like to say your responsibility and that is to be fully present, to listen with compassion and understanding and really try to hear what somebody is asking. Um, and we get a lot of positive response to that is simply, I believe, because we're in a world where listening and and somebody giving we listen to react instead of listen to understand right, right. yeah right. and and also that we get back to people you know that you're not dealing with a 1-800 number and you're in a line of things um a lot of times the social workers involved in home studies and so many other things have so many other things going on. And so it, it can be helpful. A lot of things are, you know, giving people maybe some solutions or steps and other times it's just simply normalizing, you know, yep. That's really hard. That is extremely difficult. You're not crazy. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Don't feel crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then we also work to build a lot of easy to understand, um, like written resource tools. Um, we have a, a large lending library um, where we send things out to people and we provide return postage so they can 
you know, read a book about this or do some other things. But we write a lot of web content, a lot of content that we like to say we make it family friendly or conversational um, so that we can break down complex topics into something that's easy to understand and then give you resources if you want to know more. Um, and then we do a great deal of training. Um, we have a, a training path called Champion Classrooms. Um, it's a learning management system of which you can take a course on a variety of topics. Um, sometimes it's live webinars. Sometimes it's watching something recorded. Um courses, hybrid courses. Again, a lot of things to support the parenting journey um, because parenting is hard for all of us. It is it is a very complex journey. Um, and when you add in nuances of children from someone else's family, when you add in nuances of trauma, um, prenatal exposure to stress and substance use and mental health. Um, you've got some kiddos with lots and lots of um, issues and people who have questions about, is this what I, is typical or, you know, not. And then I would say, lastly, we work really hard to find people peer connections. So sometimes people just want to talk to somebody, you know, like I said, I have a lot of staff members who already fit that bill, but they want to talk to somebody who's gone through this. Been through it, yeah. Yep. Empathy. And, so, and because we've had, you know, 40 years and lots of people we've worked with um, over the years were able to help um, make connections. Um, I also uh, often, you know, do a little bit of legislative work in terms of a lot, again, about awareness, trying to be that neutral resource, trying to be a spot that our state legislature trusts and, you know, finding that that middle ground of, you know, like, well, you could, you know, promote this policy or that, but here are some of the unintended consequences you might not think of, or could you please support this more because it has an impact on our families and kids? Yeah. Well, you mentioned a myth, um, some of the myths. What are the, what myths do we have to bust? What are some of the myths out there that you try to course correct on? Um, you know, I think one is, um, you know, the there is a lot about um, younger children being easier. Um, that is not always true. Um, you know, I mean, especially when we're talking about children um, experience loss and trauma, um, you know, young voices can't always, um, you know, they're going to act out their big feelings and not necessarily be able to tell you about them. Um, they don't have that mature language and yeah. navigating communication yet. So that all teens are really hard and difficult. And that's not necessarily the case um, at all. It's not fair um, to say that, um, you know, that is a big myth. You know, a lot of times we'll talk about, hey, you don't have to worry about childcare or diapers or, you know, I mean, adolescents bring interesting um, challenges, but you know, they're also um, kids inside that need support yeah. and help. Um, I think that 
that big myth about, you know, um, you know, as we began the program that, you know, um, somehow the the family of origin is bad or that these are bad, bad people who don't want to have connection. And the reality is that um, many times we're talking about situations where um, we have families in this country that have generational and historical trauma that have happened and uh, mental health and addiction that has been cycled through many generations. And, um, you know, people don't wake up in the morning wanting to harm their children. There are some difficult things that happen. Um, I think bad decisions, not necessarily bad people. I mean, you never, you never know, until you're walking in somebody else's shoes, you really don't know how you would respond or react. And mm-hmm. people make some bad decisions, but they don't necessarily mean that they're bad people. And you know, and that they don't love their, and they don't love their kids. And yeah. that's that's a complexity, or that somebody's going to forget about these folks. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before around um, the transracial, intercultural um, issues where, you know, if I just bring somebody into a neighborhood where we're safe and there's all sorts of opportunities that everything's going to be okay. Um, you know, I will often say to people, have you, you know, I remember I have young adult daughters now. I remember when my children were little. And if you ever went and you stay at somebody else's home, and sometimes that uncomfortableness because every home, every family has its own culture. Um, you know, we need to remember that I came from somewhere else and I'm going to have to sort of, um, you know, go through that process of connecting and finding out um, the balance. Um, I think also, you know, admit that if somebody is grieving, it means that they're unhappy in their current situation. They're just working through some very complex feelings about their identity. Yeah. And, and, you know, my heart goes out to the parents that give up their children. I mean, that to me doesn't scream bad. That screams probably the most selfless act that you can do. I mean, if, you're not in the right place at that time to give the right care. You know, you made a hard decision, but perhaps a good decision, right? So, I mean, that it's just so hard to navigate. Um, I appreciate you bringing so much light to the situation and, and peeling back the layers of the onion. We're going to, in the show notes, put in resources that we'll, you know, get from your website and how listeners can find out more about adoption. We'll, we'll do all that good stuff so that there's resources there um, that are just, you know, at the click of a, of a mouse. But I do want to talk a little bit about what does the coalition need? I mean, of course, you're a nonprofit. Monetary donations are always wonderful. Um, yeah. We're going to make that available as well in the show notes. But what else do you, do, do you need? You're celebrating a 40th anniversary. Um, how can your donors and supporters and volunteers get involved, help make a, dish, a difference and support you? 
so what I what I often say to people is that, you know, we are an organization that has been very fortunate to, um, you know, have a combination of funding, including some, you know, uh, government backing from the state of Wisconsin. Um, however, that funding isn't nearly going to, you know, do it as as so many people um, in their nonprofit space understand. Um, we are here today because also our donors and supporters were passionate. They believed in the purpose of what we were doing and they they persevered with us. You know, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have continued to innovate. Um, so we have to, as I as I've explained to you, peeling back these layers to continue to invest in innovative um technologies and ways to meet folks. You know, as I talked about training um, in 2018 and made an incredible investment into this online um, training portal that has been a game changer and really became an incredible game changer in, in the winter of 2020. Oh boy. None of us could have expected, um, you know, and so donations so that we can stay on the top of, um, you know, training and information, meaning our team also needs to stay uh, trained, um, different ways that we can help bring connection and voice for our youth, for families, um, you know, ways to help uh, support families. So at the coalition, it's every champ, every child needs a champion, every champion needs support. And supporting those champions and making sure people have what they need is, is complex. You know, people need sometimes things we can't um, provide. We look to partner with other agencies uh, to do, but we, an investment in us has not been um, something that just was taken, you know, for granted, keeping the windows <laughs> closed and the roof on us. It really has been an investment in new programming, um, in having the staff available and, and having um, quality team members who can be there, be that compassionate um, voice uh, for uh the families who need us most. Um, and so we wouldn't be here without that. Well, it sounds like you welcome everyone and anyone and all voices, young and old, and you're going to um, make good, good use of your supporters and your donors, whatever they have to offer. So we're going to definitely drop all of that into the show notes. And this has been very enlightening and and timely because it's a uh, national adoption month um but also because it's a it's a delicate time of year where people are are prioritizing human connections and creating memories and families and it's just a good moment to pause and think about the different types of families mm -hmm. and um how we could maybe be a little bit more sensitive to that and just extend a little bit 
a little bit more of ourselves to be more inclusive to all people because everyone deserves to have that human connection. So I applaud what you do. Thank you for so many years ago, just um, taking your girl boss and um, getting it done and bringing it <laughs> to um, perhaps a new place that you weren't um, experiencing completely exposed to at one point, but now it sounds like, you know, you're all in and just making headway. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, fearless fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. Um, we do hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and daily dose of inspiration. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursday, 1230 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, and in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that you like best because we're probably there. Um, and this way you can get notifications about all our new guests. And to all of you out there that are doing amazing things, please come on the show and chat about it. You're building better tomorrows in our communities. Your stories are awe-inspiring and I want to feature you on the show. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. All about connection. Uh, be sure to check it out at onecause.com and please visit the resource tab on the homepage. There is free content and a broad catalog of eBooks and all sorts of things that hopefully you'll find helpful. A huge shout out again and thanks to my guest, Ariana Carey um, from the Coalition for Children, Youth and Families for just being such an inspirational voice and shedding light on um, foster care and adoption and explaining all the nuances and how we can do better in making human connection. Um, Ariana, thank you again so much. But I do have to ask you any word, last words of inspiration for our audience. Well, one of our core values here at the coalition is never give up. Oh. So even if today um, what you thought you had um, going was, you know, going to go one way and didn't, don't ever give up. There is always a new creative solution. We wouldn't be here for 40 years without that. It sounds like the coalition is really trying to get away from cookie cutter models and go into those innovative paths that will get somebody where they need to go as opposed to giving up. So great inspiration and great advice and keep doing what you're doing. And thank you to the coalition for helping with human connections. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. 